We'd like to thank Notre Dame Federal Credit Union for helping to underwrite the Building Through Him podcast. In the last year alone, Notre Dame FCU served more than 800 parishes, schools, and nonprofits in more than 25 dioceses nationwide. Learn more at NotreDameFCU.com. Hello, welcome to the Building Through Him podcast. I'm Mary Jo Parrish, founder of Kingdom Builders, and today's episode is the search for God's will. And just so you know, you are always loved and always welcome here. We always like to start with some funny stories because the Lord loves to hear His children laughing. And today we're discussing the steps of discernment. And I thought it was only appropriate to discuss a lack of discernment in one of my children. So this Facebook post is from 2018. I'm just going to read it. If you did not Wake up to find 22 used aquarium tanks in your yard, which were purchased by your 16-year-old with his own money, but without parental consent, your morning is going better than mine. So Landon had purchased all these used aquarium tanks, which were sitting all over my yard, 22 of them. And that wasn't like the first issue, like it continued on. He didn't buy them for no reason. He had like whole business plan he was going to dig up salamanders, put them in the tanks, and then sell them on Craigslist. And you get to a point when you have a lot of kids where you just like you're just like, uh, sure, whatever you want to do. Um, okay, my stipulation was that he had to meet the buyer at the ready med. He had to carry a knife and a phone with him when he went to meet the buyer. So public location, not at home. And so his first two sales went great. People were excited to get a salamander in a tank. And then the third sale, something bizarre happened. He has a DNR officer waiting for him. And he says to him, are you the one selling salamanders illegally on Craigslist? And Landon's holding this tank with a salamander in it. Like, yes, that's me. And uh, he starts, like, talking really harshly to Landon about, you know, the beauty of wildlife and the degradation that happens when we sell it, dig it up and sell it. And he starts to write Landon a ticket. And Landon says, oh, I can't afford a ticket. And he said, well, what, where do you live? And he points to the neighborhood. He's like, well, that's a pretty nice neighborhood. Your family can afford a ticket. And he said, no, sir, we have 10 kids. My parents cannot afford to pay this ticket. And he's like, well, I'm at least going to talk to your parents and you know, write you a warning. So it's on a Sunday afternoon and miracle miracles, I'm like taking a nap and this like hard pounding on the door happens. And I know like something's really bad. You can tell by the pounding. And I like jump up, I open the door and he explains the whole situation to me. And he's like, mom, the DNR officer's coming over here. And I'm still in like this half asleep coma. I'm like, okay. And then knocking at the front door and I go and open the door and I'm listening to the DNR explain the seriousness of this issue the protection that's needed for Indiana wildlife. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this was an undercover sting operation to catch a 16-year-old selling salamanders on Craigslist. How is this my life? Somehow it is. I mean, you can't even make this stuff up. And probably a lack of discernment on Landon's part, lack of discernment on the DNR, officer's part, but for sure a lack of discernment on my, my my level of mothering. So we for sure want you to have better discernment than we did. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked upon his handmaid's lowliness. Behold, from now on, all ages will call me blessed. The Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is from age to age to those who fear him. He has shown might with his arm, dispersed the arrogant of mind and heart. He has thrown down the rulers from their thrones, but lifted up the lowly. The hungry he has filled with good things, the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped Israel his servant, remembering his mercy, according to his promise, to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his descendants forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. So in Kingdom Builders, we have a foundation. We pray for a minimum of 10 minutes a day. That's our plug. We wouldn't expect our phone to work unless we charged it. That's our charge, right? We get to church on Sunday. It's a divine commandment. And then we're staying in a state of grace. We're real with ourselves. If we're having some deep struggle with some serious sin, we're getting to a self-help group. We're getting to confession. Whatever's necessary to get free of that so that the Lord can pour down His graces upon us. And then we build ourselves, build others, and build the church. So today, we're discussing the search for God's will. So before we begin any type of search or like a journey, we have to make sure we're properly prepared. Like, so if you're going to go somewhere with, let's say you're married with some kids, and you wouldn't just pop the kids in the car and then drive a long distance. You want to make sure that you have the proper snacks and technical devices and, and whatever you need to keep them, you know, entertained for that ride. In the same way, like when we're searching for discernment on a certain issue, the Lord wants us to be prepared before we start that journey. So what's that look like? We first have to remember who God is. He's a good father. He is a good father. So sometimes when we have an earthly father who's harsh or is tricky or doesn't show us love in the appropriate ways, we can believe that God the Father is that way, and that's just not true. Our Father, our Heavenly Father, is a good Father. He's not a harsh authoritarian who desires to control us. He does not demand that His will be done. He's a good Father who loves us and desires to lead us to that which brings us the most peace and joy. And He's given us this gift, this gift of free will, to reject or accept His will in our lives. He will never force us, right? He invites us, but he never forces us. And the nearer that we come to him, the more easily we are able to discern and accept his will in our lives. And how do we do that? It starts with communication. We know that communication is the most important part of any relationship, and the, tr- the same is true for our Lord. God communicates directly with each of us in our hearts, in our minds, and our souls through various interior movements and our feelings and our thoughts and our desires. And if you're listening to this, you're like, God communicates with me? Yes, he does. He certainly does. You are a child of God and he communicates with you. But the movement within our our feelings and thoughts and desires is not all of the Holy Spirit. So St. Ignatius of Loyola developed modes, rules, and guidelines for discerning this movement. And they help us to clearly understand how God's communicating so that we may know his will. And so if you are not like an auditory person, you're like, I like need to see this written out. I'm the same way. Like I can listen to someone say something, but I'm like, I need it written out so that I can actually see it with my eyes. Totally get that. You can actually go to our website, buildingthroughhim.com. And if you click on resources, it says gathering notes. And you just click on the gathering notes. And this is for July. 
And so July 2022 gathering notes, click on that, and it has everything typed out beautifully. So if you're like, oh, I I really want to write something down, you actually don't need to write it down. It's all right there for you. So what's really important is that we are able to find a way to hear the Lord and to know His will so that we can do His will, right? Because He's going to lead us to the most peace and joy. This process, Kingdom Builders believes, it should be a tool that every Christian has in their toolbox, right? Because we want to know how to discern the Father's will. The wisdom of St. Ignatius is so incredibly powerful for us, and we just pray that it will be a blessing to you as well. So let's start with some discernment absolutes. These are like the easy things. There's two of them. Good versus evil. In the choice between good and evil, God never wills the evil. Never. So you can have the the feeling that you really want to have an affair with your neighbor guy. However, that would be an evil, right? So you're not going to do that. You're going to recognize um, in a choice between good and evil, God never wills the evil. So that's not going to do that. That is definitely not of God. So that's a simple thing, right? We know that. And number two, we honor our vocation. God never will will for us to make irresponsible choices regarding our state in life. He wants us to honor the responsibility that come with the higher vocation. So, for example, let's say that you really want to start volunteering in a soup kitchen. Wonderful. But you're not going to do it five days a week and avoid the proper care of, let's say, you have kids at home. You're not going to do that because God wants your children taken care of. If you're a father or a mother, that's a higher vocation than serving five days a week in a soup kitchen. So maybe you do one day a week, and then you're home for the other six evenings of the week. But that balance is necessary. So discernment absolutes, good versus evil, God never chooses the evil, right? He'll never will the evil. And God, number two, God always wants us to honor our vocation. But often it's not even about something like that, good versus evil, or, you know, what how many hours am I going to volunteer and will that, you know, take me away from my higher vocation? It's about two different goods. So if it's not contrary to a vocation, if it's not an evil, if we're choosing between two goods, how do we know what to do? Do I leave my job and pursue another career path? Do I sell my home and buy a different home? Do I volunteer in this area instead of another area? How do we know what the Lord desires that we do? This is, this is a really tr- tricky answer. I'm telling you. I'm just kidding. We ask him. So Luke 11, 9 and 10, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And so this is just an important thing that we remember to first ask the Lord, right? What do you want, Lord? And then we're ready to go. We're ready to start preparations. You're like packing your car for the trip, okay? So there's five steps of prep. Number one, love. So 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. So you're like, what's that really mean? That verse lays the foundation for our search for God's will. It's where our heart discovers that it has been loved from all time that our, actually our very existence is a gift of love. And from this perspective of loving Him and receiving His love, that's how we seek His will. So number one, love. Number two, our foundation. As we talked about just a little bit ago, 
the prayer, church, and sacraments, we can't know God's will or even desire to do His will until we're taking the time to honor Him and receive His love through prayer, through going to church, through the sacraments. St. Thomas Aquinas says that sinning dulls our intellect and weakens our will. So sinning makes us numb and dumb, right? It does. And so we want to make sure we're we're like have prime mind to know what the Lord desires. So we're going to like make sure we have a strong foundation. This is Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us rid ourselves of every burden and sin that clings to us and persevere in running the race. So we just want to get rid of all that stuff that makes us numb and dumb so that we can clearly know what God's will is. So when we're allowing God to clear all the heavy stuff away, when we're in a place to feel, hear, and know how God's communicating with us, that allows us the proper disposition. So number three is the disposition. That means we're docile to receiving His will. We cannot pray and say, I want your will, Lord, but only if it confirms my will. Yeah, that's actually like actually prideful, right? We have to trust that the Lord knows best. There's a song by Garth Brooks. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Like, he doesn't always answer our prayers because he knows better. He can see how that will impact, you know, a thousand years in the future, how it will, you know, impact all these different people that we want his will for our lives because he's only going to bring us the most peace and joy, right? And he's a good father. We have to be able to say to him, I trust you. I know you are good and will only lead me to that which brings me the most peace and joy. I want whatever you want, Lord. And then number four, we write it down, okay? So for some people, like writing it down, is like, oh my gosh, it's another thing. It's actually super important. When we're preparing for a journey, when we're writing things down, it allows us to kind of be like scientists, to kind of like, oh, I feel like the Lord was saying this on this day and this on this day and this on this day. And you kind of look back and you can see patterns and connections that you don't see unless you're writing it down. There's a meme and it says, the biggest lie I tell myself is, I don't need to write it down. I'll remember it. Yes, it's true. We forget things. Our brain can only hold so much. So when it comes to making a decision, we want to write down what the Lord's been saying to us over time. And the fifth step of prep is journeying with another. When we're making decisions, it's important that we're accompanied by another person when possible who also deeply loves the Lord and trusts in Him. And some of us might have a spiritual director. Some of us may have a mosaic small group. And if you're like, what's a mosaic small group? You can go to our website and click on that. And some of us maybe just have a holy friend. All those are good people to be able to discuss discernment with. But the reality is, is that not all of us have that person. We don't. And if this is the case for you, we encourage you to apply these modes of discernment into seeking this person out. Who does the Lord want you to be accompanied by in this life. You know, we're not meant to journey alone. We aren't. We're not meant to journey alone. And so we have these, you know, discernment absolutes. We have these five steps of prep. So you might be thinking like, okay, enough preparation, Mary Jo. Let's get going. Let's actually leave. Get to the point. The preparation for discernment is actually the most crucial point of discerning God's will because you're allowing all that stuff to be cleared away. You're just 
like dropping that so your hands are open to totally receive. You're clearing your mind to clearly to, to hear him so that you can write things down and make decisions based on clear evidence. And then when you're well prepared, you can clearly hear his will and you can begin the journey into the modes of discernment. So St. Ignatius has three different modes of discernment. The first mode we like to call the lightning bolt. It's when we immediately know God's will with certainty. The second mode we call the slow dance. This is when God slowly unveils his will over time. And the third mode is the huddle up. No lightning or dancing. It's just like a rough, real plan of action. And within those three modes, when he reveals himself, he will give us what's called holy ground. So when we have this gift of experiencing the knowledge of God's will, regardless of what mode, that will be tested. We may struggle with like doubt and fear of the enemy. The moment where God reveals his will to us becomes our holy ground. It's our place of truth and comfort where we can find peace in our struggle. That holy ground is like an anchor for us to remember the love of God and his will for our lives. So let's look at each of those a little bit individually. St. Ignatius calls the first mode clarity beyond doubting. So Kingdom Builders calls it the lightning bolt. It's actually the most rare mode. We're specifically shown or just know what the Lord desires. We feel a clear drawing of our will towards what we were shown. It's impossible for us to doubt this image or the knowledge is from God. And if God gives us this gift, we are called to act upon it. This is Psalm 95, 8. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. So this doesn't happen very often. It's a quite a rare occurrence. It did happen once for me. My husband and I were both in the Navy, and we were kind of dating, but not, you know, exclusively. And he came and brought me this sub sandwich, tuna fish sandwich, when I was on duty. And he brought it to my ship and and we ate together, and then he was leaving the ship. And as he was walking down the pier, I can remember exactly what he's wearing. He's wearing these like brown cowboy boots, this jean shirt. That's back when jean shirts were super in style, and these light jeans. And he's walking down the pier, and I was watching him leave my ship. And I immediately knew this man was supposed to be my husband. I, I don't actually even know if I technically loved him yet, but I knew he was supposed to be my husband. I just knew it without without doubt. I knew it. And that happens so rarely. It's thank thank you, Jesus, so much for giving that that real that that clearness about a spouse. But when that happens, the Lord wants you to act upon it. And so I did end up marrying that man because God was so clear with my heart. But if we don't get that lightning bolt, that's okay. It just means that we need to go to the second mode. So the second mode of discernment, Saint Ignatius calls an attraction of the heart. Kingdom Builders calls it the slow dance. This is like a journey where God reveals his will slowly over time, and doubt is a part of this process as we contemplate our choices. And clarity and understanding is received through experiences of consolations or desolations. So maybe you're like, what does that even mean? What's a consolation? This is like a lingering spiritual joy, a love, a deep peace, like a hope in things above it can bring about tears of joy, like an interior movement, which leaves a soul so consoled by the Lord. Okay, so that's a consolation. My one daughter says, 
like it's so important to name things, like name it to tame it. So when when we experience that, like you can say, oh, that's a consolation. But the opposite of that is a desolation. Again, that's important to be able to name it. What is that? It's like a lingering sadness, like a lack of confidence, a lack of love, dryness, confusion, chaos. Can't seem to find footing. Like you're walking through a swamp and you can't seem to move forward. It's like dark, okay? So that would be like a desolation. And when I was praying about this, I'm like, Lord, this is actually kind of hard to explain. Can you show me what you want your your children to hear? And I had this image of doing the hot-cold game when I was a little girl where you would hide like the checker and and the other team member would be like, hotter, hotter, colder, colder, colder. You're in Alaska. It's so cold. You know, like the super passionate and the one thing about that game is that you never run any place then at that game. You're always moving very slowly and like listening, listening here, listening here. And that's very similar to consolation and desolation. When you're discerning two different options, you can feel whether the Lord is moving you one way or the other through consolation and desolation. Because the closer that we become, to that light of the Lord, what He desires, the warmer we will become. So what are the steps of the second mode? There's three of them. So the first thing we do is we visualize the two options. When I'm visualizing, I keep one way on the left and one way on the right, like two different options. And then we take little steps towards each one, and then we discuss it with a trusted friend. So let's walk through that. When you're Thinking about these two options, one on your left and one on your right. Let's say it's let's say you want to you're not sure if you should leave your job. So the first one you want to contemplate staying at your job. When you contemplate staying at your job, do you have consolation or desolation? Do you feel warmer or colder? Go to the second option, taking a new job. Do you feel consolation or desolation? Warmer or colder? And then Take little steps in either direction. So the if you decide you want to stay at your job, what would that mean? What if you like reorganized your office or you purchased a book to help you, you know, climb in your company, or you ordered a new picture for your wall in your office? Like steps to stay at your job. How does that feel? Warmer or colder? Consolation or desolation? And then finding a new job, maybe updating your resume looking at college classes in a new field, warmer or colder, how do you feel? And then we discuss it with someone. We discern with another person when possible. When you discuss it with someone, because a lot of times we have to verbally process something, do you feel warmer or colder, consolation or desolation? So you're just really aware of how the Spirit is moving in with you. And then if the Lord gives you a decision, like he, you know His will, you write it down. That becomes your holy ground. Every detail you can think of, you write that down. And then when stuff happens in the future where you start like, oh my gosh, this is really hard. I don't know if I should have chose this. You go back to your anchor, your holy ground. You return to that place as often as necessary when you face those trials and doubts. It's an anchor. So like in the first moment, when I got the lightning bolt with my husband, anytime we've been through a difficulty in our marriage, I remember the holy ground of getting that moment where I knew God's will, standing on the standing on my ship, watching him walk down the pier. I remember how I felt in that moment. That's my holy ground. 
So whether you get it in the first mode or the second mode, remember your holy ground because that is gives you the faith to move forward even when it's difficult. So there's a third mode. So let's say you, you didn't get any type of understanding in the first mode or the second mode. That's okay. You're going to go to the third mode. St. Ignatius calls this a preponderance of reason. Kingdom Builders calls it the huddle up. The Lord is bringing you so close, right? There's points and rules of this discernment. It's not, there's no like lighting or dancing. There's very little emotion. It's like a rough, real plan of action. We weigh our options and utilize these points and rules of discernment. So what's that look like? So the points of the third mode, drawing near, are sit and detach in position, pros and cons list, and choice and confirmation. So let's look at those. So we sit, detach, and petition. We make sure that we're in a tranquil time. We place ourselves before God and the choice. We empty ourselves of any passion or attachment and just seek the Lord's will without any fixed inclination or predetermined direction. And we just ask for the gift of mind that will see clearly and a will that will choose faithfully. And it's important to remember that we're not doing this when our kids are running around the house like crazy, when we have 10,000 things going on in our head and we're already stressed out, we want to make sure we're sit, detach, and petition in a calm and peaceful environment, a tranquil time so that we're clearly feeling and hearing the will of God. Second one is the pros and cons list. I've done this for years. I didn't know it came from St. Ignatius. It does. It's a pros and cons list. Advantages and disadvantages to either options. And you just kind of weigh those back and forth. And then choice and confirmation. You look to see which alternative brings greater glory to God. And then you offer him this, like you lift it up, like, is this what you want? For confirmation that he would illuminate the choice that would be more pleasing to him. So let's say you were, you know, trying to discern one, whether to stay at your job or leave your job, and you're looking for confirmation, you're giving it to him. And your friend calls you and says, hey, I was just thinking about you. I'm going to sign up for this one class. And I, I was thinking, you need to sign up for it too. You know, like the Lord will come in. We call them signal graces. He'll confirm different things at different times. Be like, you got it. Warmer? Warmer? So that's a confirmation. And that when those happen, it's like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. I, I love signal graces. I love when he confirms things because it's just nice to know, yep, you're on the right path. But if we're still unsure, that's okay. God is calling us deeper still. God's not being tricky. He's not trying to hide it. He just is lifting up, lifting us up on his shoulders for a better view. So the rules for the third mode. We view it from another person's perspective, the deathbed wisdom, and in light of the eternity. So the view from another perspective is actually one of the most powerful ones for me. We view it as a stranger looking to counsel someone making the decision. So if you were looking this, looking at the situation from the outside in, you're a complete stranger, what would you recommend the person who's going through what you're going through should do in that choice? What would you advise them to do? And then take that advice. I'm really pretty good about telling people what to do. Like, I can see things and be like, oh, absolutely. Walk in faith. You got this, girl. Do it. But when it comes to my own self, I question it. So for me to be able to look at it from a completely detached point of view and look in, and what would I advise someone who's in a similar situation? 
it's very easily like that's that's one where he constantly is using for consolation and confirmation for me. The second one, deathbed wisdom. So if your life is ending at that point of death when all that matters is the love of God and fulfilling his will, which choice would you wish you would have made? It's Colossians 3.2. Think of what is above, not of what is on earth. And then the last one is testing in the light of eternity on Judgment Day. Which choice would you wish you would have made to love God more fully? And on Judgment Day, you can see all the souls that would be impacted. You know, like, really, God's lifting you far up and allowing you to see so many things. What choice do you wish you would have made? And then whatever he reveals to you, that becomes your holy ground. You write it down. That's your anchor that you go back to when things get difficult. So you remember what the Lord showed you. Says St. John the 23rd, God's will is our peace. So how do we receive his love when we're trying to do his will? Because sometimes that can be difficult. We know that God wants to be involved in all the decisions of our lives. He wants to weigh in about which little league we enroll our seven-year-old. He wants to weigh in about our budget and our spending. He wants to weigh in about our exercise and eating plans. Like all of these like seemingly unimportant things, God totally wants to weigh in on those. And he doesn't want to be involved in all those little things so he can control us. He doesn't. He wants us to have more wisdom, clarity, and knowledge in every area of our lives. He desires to bring us the most peace and joy because he loves us. And so in Kingdom Builders, we have a crown jewel strategy where we plan, we do, we reflect, and we adjust. So we plan out our goals, right? We ask the Holy Spirit, come, show me what you want. And then we plan those out. We put them in our planner. We do those goals. And then we reflect upon them. How did it feel? Where did we receive increased in joy, increased peace and joy? Where did we receive decreased peace and joy? It's that hotter, hotter, colder, colder. And then we adjust the next week. So every week, we're taking time to plan our week, to do it, to reflect, and to adjust. And that is how the Holy Spirit starts to work in our lives. The more we seek His will in the tiny parts of our life, the more easily we can discern the major parts of our life. Because when we become accustomed to seeking His will and planning with it, when we have made a habit of doing that plan and then reflecting on it, when we do this week after week and listen and adjust and recognize when our peace and joy is leaving and when it's coming, we become accustomed to the movement of the Spirit and we can more easily recognize consolation and desolation. So what's this look like in a real-life scenario? So this actually took place in my house. Um, all of these steps have prepped. So there's many distractions in my house. It's very difficult for me to work in peace. There's a lot of human beings there. And King and Miller's did not yet have the funding to provide an office space. So when my kids are coming into this tiny storage room that I work in in my basement, I get ridiculously irritated. And my husband and I just made the decision that we were just going to purchase office space to rent. And I went through the discernment absolutes. God does not will evil, right? That's easy. That had nothing to do with evil. And God wants me to honor my first vocation as wife and mother. And that was definitely part of making the decision to move to an office. 
And I did my five steps of prep, right? I was seeking out God's love. My foundation was strong. Prayer, getting to church, getting to confession, my disposition, I was completely open to whatever the Lord wanted. I was writing stuff down. I was journaling. And I was discussing it with my spiritual director. So my prep was there. And God did not reveal anything to me. So that first mode, that lightning bolt, where you just know something, I didn't get that. But I wasn't surprised because that's so rare. He was calling me deeper, deeper, Mary Jo. So I moved into the second mode, the slow dance. I visualized my options of offices. And I felt no consolation or desolation towards any of them, not warmer, not colder. So I did the little step awareness, like when you start to make little steps towards each one. Talked with a realtor. I did not feel peace with any of the locations he showed me. I sought out people who owned businesses close to me where I could work in quiet. And some offered me to use like rooms when they were available. And I did, but nothing was long-term and nothing was permanent. The quiet was nice, but I actually ended up like having to carry my books and my mouse and my power cord and extension cord. I just kept leaving things everywhere because you guys know I'm ADD. And that nomadic struggle actually increased my stress rather than decreased my stress. And so I knew that wasn't what the Lord was calling me to. That nomadic struggle was actually gave me more anxiety than interruptions from working at my home. So I didn't have any answer, no consolation or desolation. So the third step is phoning a friend. I bring it all to my spiritual director, and he recognized my need for rest. He recognized I was feeling disorder, and what I was seeking was order. And so that was clarity that I needed. Like, I'm moving forward. We have to have an office. And God and I were slow dancing in the second mode for a long time, but he was not showing me his will. He just kept drawing me nearer, kept drawing me nearer. So I moved into the third mode, detach and position. So I went to my schedule adoration. It's midnight to 1 a.m. And I reminded God, Kingdom Builders Apostolate is completely his. It's consecrated to him. And I reminded him that he would not ask me to forgo my first vocation as wife and mother. And I placed the choices before him. And I detached from any preconceived ideas that I had. And I just laid it all at his feet. And I asked him, give me a clear mind to know your will. Please, God, show me what you will for me in this apostolate. He gave me no consolation or desolation, nothing. So I moved on to the pros and cons list, okay? Pros and cons, I wrote down the advantages and disadvantages of all the options for office space ideas. Nothing. I received nothing. I asked for choice and confirmation, but I sensed no options that brought greater glory to God. And my heart was just inclined to nothing. So I asked that he would illuminate the choice that would be most pleasing to him. Again, neither consolation or desolation, just like nothing. But I know God is a good father, right? He's not being tricky or hiding things. He was leading me deeper so he could lift me for a better view. So I went into the rules for the third mode. View from another's perspective. I pretended I was a stranger looking in. And how would I counsel the person making that decision? And I just felt really sorry for the person. And all those office locations looked dismal or too expensive or unsafe or too far away from her house. And so that didn't actually help me at all. Deathbed wisdom. I visualized myself at the point of death when all that mattered is the love of God and fulfilling his will. Which choice do I wish I would have made? All the choices felt like I was missing the point. Nothing. I received no consolation or desolation. God was silent. 
in light of eternity. So I visualize myself on Judgment Day and ask myself, which choice do I wish I would have made? Again, none of the options seemed to stand out. I felt, honestly, like God was ignoring me. But I know God's good. He's calling me deeper still, deeper still. So I get back home after adoration. I'm like, how much deeper are you calling me, Lord? Anyway, go to sleep. I wake up the next morning, and I'm doing laundry, sorting darks and lights, and this thought enters my head that this one specific person should be helping me with this one very time-consuming aspect of my job. But I didn't want to burden her. And I'm like, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bother her. She works full time. She has kids. She's pregnant. But God kept laying her on my heart, and so I just paused in the midst of sorting laundry, just to like, okay, Lord, I'm gonna visualize taking steps of asking her to do this one thing. And in that moment of visualizing, asking her, it was like these dark clouds covering my soul were like lifted, and I could feel this the rays of the sun, so much warmth and peace over me. I experienced consolation in just imagining texting her, asking her to do this one thing. And that that consolation gave me the insight to remember that God prepares the way, right? She can totally say no, but I know I was called to at least ask her. So I pull out my phone, which I had not looked at since the end of adoration, night before. And I we probably text one or two times a month. I, I don't spend a lot of time with her. She had texted me at 3.16 a.m. And she said, hey, Mary Jo, I just felt like God was saying this to me to give to you. Just receive this. Rest, Mary Jo. It's not on you. It's on me. It's not on you as it's not on the clay in the potter's hand, nor the brush in the artist's, nor the pencil in the writer's. You are my instrument. Rest in my hand. Let me do as I will. I know the work I'm about. God woke her up two hours after I left him in adoration to give her a message to give to me. That confirmation was sent at 3.16 a.m. And for those of you who know John 3.16, like, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him might not perish but have eternal life. And we know, like, all this discernment is for based on God's love, right? I needed an office space, right? I needed that office space. But the true weight, what was causing me the most anxiety and exhaustion and irritation at the needs of my family, was that actually the fact that I had too much work for any one human being to get done. It was beyond a need for an office to work. It was the amount of work. God said nothing, and I felt nothing when seeking discernment because I was actually seeking His will on the wrong issue. But this is a great thing because God is so good. He loves us so much, we can trust that He will surprise us with an answer to a question that we were not even seeking. Like, that's how good our Father is. He's such a good Father. He communicates directly with each of us in our hearts, our minds, and our souls. Our search is not Him being tricky or holding back information to frustrate us. He's drawing us into deeper relationship. The more we search for His will, the nearer He will come to us. And in that search, our heart discovers that has been loved from all time, that our very existence is a gift of love. The search for God's will unveils our origin, our identity, and our destiny. 
St. John Henry Newman says, I am created to do something or be someone for which no one else is created. I have a place in God's counsels, in God's world, which no one else has. God knows me and calls me by name. And God is saying to us, I am a good father. I call you by name. Leave all your worries at my feet. Come to me. I know what you need before you say a word. Come closer, closer. Dance with me. Let me lead. Huddle up. Come nearer to me still. Let me hold you. Let me love you. I want all of who you are. Allow my love to lift you to see new things. Rest in my love. I am your good father. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit spokestreet.com.